Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Pretty Mental Family, welcome back. We love you. We missed you. (laughs) Hello, hello, beautiful people. In today's podcast, we rounded out the conversation on Gil with some really, really important points um, that we know that it's super valuable for you guys to receive. If you struggle with chronic Gil, some key pieces that we kind of just glazed over or just really quickly ran through in the last conversation... So um, I think that you guys are really going to benefit from tuning into these pieces of the guilt conversation. And then we also deep dove into a really wild experience that Valentina has been going through lately and the teachings that have been coming from that. So this was a very, very potent episode. Yes, pretty mental fam. I love you guys so much. Every time I go through something now, I'm like, when are we recording so I can let the community know? I got to keep them updated. I feel like everything that I go through now, the podcast has become such a major part of our lives that it's like, I don't ever experience anything without experiencing it for me and for all of us together. So you're the latest thing that I went through for us, y'all, <laughs> in yeah, this well, conversation. Yeah. I mean, well, hopefully by bringing ourselves into it, it's like it it helps you guys see a real life example of what it's like to integrate these conversations and these messages and these teachings. Um, It really goes from theory to practice in this one. And with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in, calling in our higher selves, calling in source, calling in our angels, our spirit guides, our spirit team, our ancestors, all of the energies that walk with us in this lifetime, all of the energies that walk with our community in this lifetime. We open ourselves up fully to whatever wants to come through. We open ourselves up as vessels for whatever messages want to come through for the highest healing of ourselves, our community, everyone they come in contact with and for the highest healing of the planet. The portal is now open. Hello. What up? Hello. What is up? Pretty <laughs> mental family. Hello, pretty mental family. From across the globe. We have listeners in India, UK, Australia. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, it is messages crazy. sometimes, and then they'll be like, "Family from UK or family from Australia or you know wherever," and I'm like, "Oh my god, how did you find us?" That's so the cool. interweb. Yeah, love you guys for sure. We always love hearing from you guys. What an honor! The internet has its blessings. It has many blessings. It really does. Yeah, it makes us the whole earth one big community. So. Huge updates. Nas and Miguel got back together. (laughs) I was about to send you a picture of them. Someone else sent me a picture of them too, because you guys know that Nas and Miguel, for for those of you who don't know, Miguel is a singer and Nas is his amazing wife who does a few things. The reason why I love them so much is, well, they have a very special place in my heart. They have a very special place <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> They've been together since they were like kids from before anything he came up or anything. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> Why did you I think- also I also love how Pretty Mental has like celebrity gossip. I know. Segments. <laughs> Valentina moves to LA. What are you gonna do? I'm so here for it. I definitely have been I definitely found myself talking about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West in one of my therapy sessions today. Okay, that's another thing is that that's another okay, thing. before we move on to them, yeah, Naz and Miguel are back and I was in bed last night and I pulled up Instagram and I saw just this delicious photo <laughs> shoot that they did together and my heart literally could not take it. Like my heart could, my heart was bursting inside. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to fall asleep after this. Like I got such <laughs> a surge of energy. Because their love, and honestly, we literally have no idea what actually goes on in their life. Right. But the the narrative that I've created around what's being shown to me broke my heart into a million pieces in a really good, beautiful way. Like I was, the love was literally like, like so much I couldn't handle it. (laughs) Why? (laughs) It's just like an epic love story. To me, it reminds me of... It brings in the same feelings that when Noah and Ali from The Notebook finally got together. So they were like these young lovebirds who had such a deep, authentic, pure love. And then life brought them apart. And I don't have any idea what went on with Miguel and Oz. But But like, like, we just want to have it. Like, Like, even if we don't know, I think with celebrities, it's like... It's, we deserve to let ourselves believe whatever it is that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I saw that and I almost burst. And then it was so funny. And then I, I scrolled down and I saw this interview with Future. And he was like, um, what's this? So the reporter was like, how many or the interviewer was like, how many, how much do you spend on women a year? And he was like, two to three. And the guy was like, two to three thousand. Okay. Not bad. He's like two to three million. <laughs> He's like, I got a problem. I just see these beautiful women and I want to give them so much and spoil them. I'm watching that and I'm like, how can I come across future real quick? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, hello. You do not want to come across future. <laughs> Honestly, I probably don't, but I'm over here trying to manifest a billionaire because I was listening to th- this is really turning into a Hollywood. Hold on. Last thing, yeah, I swear to God, and then we'll get to the deep shit. I was honestly though, like there is some deep shit that we can pull from celebrities. Hell yeah, the Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. There is so much there. Like it is such a powerful example in real time unfolding in front of us of how narcissistic dynamics happen 
it's yeah, there's a lot there that we can one million percent time to mental health. So I was can, blown. I was blown yeah. away. So I took a like a pretty like a week hiatus from Instagram. And when I went back, my friend showed me. She was like, Yeah, have you like stayed up on what's happening with Kim and Kanye? She pulled up his Instagram and I I could not believe it. He he's in the public gas lighting the living daylights out of her. And I'm sure he's done it before, but there was one where she said, you know, can you please not publicize our conversations? And he was like, you're my favorite person. I, you're my, I'm your number one fan. I want to show our conversation. And I, I started feeling crazy. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, he's not even addressing what she's saying. And he's coming out with what he wants to say. And that's literally what they say in narcissistic relationships. It's crazy making. It's just very controlling the shit out of her. Like she can't even, you know, on her end, she's probably like, did you hear what I said? You know, like, like just right over his head. Yeah. I saw, I saw controlling energy all over that. That's gaslighting. Isn't necessarily what came to me immediately, but I can see how you might take that from it. Cause he's, he's basically wanting her to see it. He's controlling her perspective on it. Yeah. It, it may not work. She may be like way wiser than all of that, but she's saying like, this makes me uncomfortable. And he, like you were saying, he didn't even acknowledge it. He's just like, I love you. So it's like your discomfort doesn't, what matters is that I love you and that I want to sh- talk about you. So your discomfort doesn't matter. And uh, I've heard the term crazy making often used with narcissistic relationships and narcissistic abuse. And I get it. Like I, when you're in a situation where you're straight up, you know, declaring your boundaries and your needs, and then the person responds to you almost in this like very childish coming across innocent way and not even acknowledging anything. Right. It makes you feel you're like, I can't even directly call out how what you're doing is wrong because you're, he was, he was like being nice about it. Almost. It was so insidious. I need very like, insidious. I, yeah. You have to really be like, have a sharp eye for these things, which is not easy to do, especially when you're in it in order to catch that. Yeah. Because he is just in that moment. Here's what happens with these, with relationships. It's a It's essentially a relationship in which one person or both people, but typically it's one person doesn't have the capacity to hold space for both their needs or to balance out their needs with the other person's needs. That's really kind of a really important recipe for any relationship. There has to be a balance between my needs and your needs. When there's, when you're dealing with somebody that's very narcissistic or personality disorder spectrum, even if you don't have the diagnosis and we don't want to do it from diagnosis, just looking at it from the angle of like, if there is no balance between their needs and my needs, my needs disappear because of what they need. I'm essentially being made to, my feelings are made to not matter and whatever they need comes first. And that's essentially the meaning of manipulate, like manipulative dynamics where it's like, I just, I love you, so I need you to be here in the way that I need you to be here. Like, that's not love. That's control, first of all. Love would be more like, 
okay, I would love to, to still have you in my life and I would love to still have you here. But if you're saying in your full consciousness that you're no longer aligned with this and your soul needs to expand in another direction and your growth is in another direction and that it's not working, then I respect you. And because I love you, I respect you and I trust that you know what's best for you. Yeah. It's, and then he's pulling in Pete, who is <laughs> it's so messed up. It's so messed up. It's so messed up. I'm like, this guy's life. Like, I don't know to what extent he is in danger, but I, I don't, with how wild Kanye West is getting right now, like, I'm scared for their livelihood. For well, he livelihood. apologized this morning. Oh, I didn't see that <laughs> update. He did apologize this morning. He was like, I'm realizing now that when I write in all caps, it makes people feel like I'm screaming at them (laughs) and that I need a whole team and I'm learning and I'm growing. But it is a really good in real time example of like, if somebody's making you feel scared, that's not love. No, that's control. No. Yeah, totally. And if you're more codependent, you may not even see that as they're trying to control you. You might just do the fawn. You might just get even kinder and even nicer. So I could see like what a recipe for disaster if you don't know how to call these things out and you don't know what they are. Well, you know what? Like, and actually let's tie in the guilt conversation right here because it just fits so nicely. Uh, We wanted to follow up on the guilt podcast that we did because there was a few pieces that could be expanded upon even more. And what you're saying right there is exactly kind of the piece that is great to unpack a little further because For some people, and you actually introduced this in the last conversation, and I missed the opportunity to expand on it. And when I was listening back to it, I was like, oh, there's an opportunity there that I totally missed. When you were like, let's talk about when people can't hold responsibility for their own emotions, that it fosters guilt, a chronic, can foster chronic guilt in the other people that are in their lives, especially if it's a very intimate relationship and especially if it was there from your childhood. Mm -hmm. Because when somebody doesn't have the ability to hold responsibility for their own emotions and regulate their own emotions and regulate their own emotions, which is the opposite of what Kanye West is doing, they will leak their emotions all over the place. And if you don't have the capacity to regulate and to bring yourself your validation and your reassurance and your comfort in the way that a healthy adult needs to develop those skills in order to be able to move through the world, um, those are hopefully skills that we're learning as we're living because we need that in order to be able to have relationships. But if we don't have that and you have somebody else in your life that's a little more empathetic and they realize that or they can sense that you're not going to regulate your own emotions, they may, they tend to, the pattern tends to be that they're going to make their emotions a little smaller in order to balance out the energy. Right. And so like when there is people that, when there are people that can't regulate their own emotions, don't know how to, don't take responsibility for it. Cause part of regulating our emotions is taking responsibility for our emotions. When we don't regulate and we leak out all over the place, there is there is an element of, I expect all of you to do this work for me. Mm-hmm. In a way, like it can just I be think, a habit. And I don't even know if it's in a way. I think like in a huge, like that's the majority of the yeah. experience of someone who lives 
with someone or around someone or is in relationship to someone who can't regulate themselves. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's two routes that people take. They either take the fuck you route and become really avoidant and like learn a very strong capacity for cutting people off, Mm -hmm. which is a form of survival. But probably the most, the more common response is the one that you're saying, which is, okay, our primary need growing up is to keep connection and to keep attachments because that creates survival. So like we have to keep community that facilitates survival. And so if somebody you really care about that is in any kind of position of authority, especially, and it could be siblings. Because if it's an older sibling, it can have a little bit more of that dynamic as well. Um, doesn't regulate their emotions. And it kind of just leaks out and expects everyone else to do it for them. Then often the only option there really is in order to keep that connection is to abandon your own needs. And in order to abandon your own needs, what often happens is that a part of you has to start coming in and beating you up for having needs. It's how the system develops. So a part of you out of survival comes in and it's like, guilts you. There goes the word guilt. For having needs and starts sending the message that you're a bad person when you have needs. Mm-hmm. Because if if that part of you didn't do that, then you would never accept not having needs. So a part of you has to come in and kind of convince you of that so you can make your needs very, very small or like make you feel like you don't have a right to them. And it, that part is trying to protect you by helping you keep connection. And so it fosters a dynamic that is all too common where one person carries the guilt and the other person carries the emotional dysregulation that then fuels shame that then leads to more dysregulation. So it's like a really toxic patterns that happens in family systems. And then depending on... Go ahead. Then depending on what role you played, if if you did take on that guilt role, which is beat myself up whenever I have needs then you are likely to end up a feeling okay in later romantic relationships or even friendship relationships with people that don't really allow you to have your own needs. Because, and, and oftentimes it can be a narcissistic person like what Kanye is showing or somebody that, whose needs just overpower the whole situation. Because somebody like that needs somebody with very small needs in order to keep functioning the way they function. And also the person with very small needs, of which the chronic guilt thing is a big part of, feels at ease in that. Because they learn to not have a tolerance for the presence of guilt in order to survive their environment. Mm-hmm. It's all very complex, almost. Like I'm, I feel like I'm trying to describe it in a way that makes sense. And hopefully it's making sense. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm on my end, it makes sense because I've explored my own. I'm the person who felt a lot of guilt and who, and who made their needs small in order to function in relationship. Cause I was around the way my temperament was, was if someone around me was explosive and dysregulated, I would then try to make sure everything was okay and good and make myself small just to, cause I was scared that the, like, a even bigger bomb would go off in the room than what already happened. Yeah. So, you know, from my experience, the way I, I had to get really, really, really good with, and it's so uncomfortable, but just walking away yeah. and, and, and not being afraid of losing connection, mm-hmm. you know, cause my, on my end and I, anytime I've experienced this, like I got to a breaking point with it where I was like, Oh my God, like these, this person is so blind that the only way that they're ever going to see what they're doing is if I am out of the equation, I can no longer sit here and explain and explain and explain and explain and explain and explain why this is just like a really painful relationship that's happening until I finally was like, you know what? This is like my final word. I'm out, not forever until you handle yourself. And then whenever you've handled yourself, then come back. But like lovingly, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. I give you your responsibility back. I'm out. And yeah. that's something that I encourage anyone who's in relationship with someone like that. You know, if it has gotten to a point that it feels kind of toxic on your end, where it's just nonstop, don't be afraid to remove yourself and, and potentially lose that connection because it's it's going to, if you sit there and you put up with one person it's going to leak out in other people it's going to leak out in different friendships it's going to leak out like you're going to start accepting it in different friendships you're going to accept it in different jobs you're going to accept it in different intimate relationships because you've made your you've told yourself it's okay that someone is treating me this way because I'm staying put so if I'm staying put and the only way that I can stay put is if I somehow make it okay that they're treating me this way and that they're not regulating themselves yeah you know, so you have to make it a point to yourself and to everyone around you no more. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy and, and you know, this big drama, but just with love, I'm out. I can't do this. Yeah. <clears throat> and then and when chronic guilt is part of that picture, which it usually is, that's just the balance, how, how our emotional systems kind of keep the balance with each other. Um, putting those boundaries in place or saying no can feel like death at first when you're starting to practice it, depending on like how much chronic guilt you deal with. Mm-hmm. It can feel like self, like destruction to your emotional system. Mm-hmm. Cause it's almost like malfunction in thinking. That's what your system is, is feeling because if you learn to adopt chronic guilt in order to survive, then facing into it can feel like death psychologically. And so recognizing, like, you're allowed to build up to that point. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to build up with that point. You're allowed to start with smaller no's. Um, and while you do send compassion to the part of you that is opening a space for you to say no, because it is a big, it's a big step for your system to take when it's been functioning in the chronic guild method for so long to keep you alive as far psychologically alive, put in quotations because it was probably chances are you weren't actually going to die. It's just psychological, um, which feels like death to the system anyways. But 
the guilt, if the guilt was there to keep you alive, then you start challenging it, you're going to feel really uncomfortable. And then it can also help if, like I was saying, send compassion to the part of you that usually plays the role of beating you up when you don't make your needs disappear. Send compassion to it when you're doing this work because it's really stepping out of its comfort zone to allow you to expand your comfort zone and to create a new pattern in your system. And that's really scary. It's scary too if you also come from a... If, if you grew up in an environment that guilt was also the predominant... I mean, it probably is. If you've adapted that, it's probably come because you grew up in an environment where making your needs small to keep the peace was important. Yes. So it's hard when you you have to become your own example. Because if you don't have people around you who raised you to, you know, that where you, where you saw them walk away from anything that disrespected their boundaries, if you don't have that example, it's going to be really hard to, to feel validated when you do put up your own boundaries or you might feel like a bad person. You might feel like you shouldn't be putting up that boundaries or you're being too hard. So you, just, you really have to learn. You know, like my best advice is that you're, you are going to be, have to be the one that validates you. You're going to have to be the parent for yourself in that sense of, you know what? No, like this just doesn't feel good to me and it's okay. And I can say no and I can walk away. Yeah. It's a really important piece of the guilt puzzle. Yeah. Is having awareness of those types of relational patterns. Yeah. Both within and without. Yeah. It starts kind of outside of us, but then it gets reinforced inside of us. Um, so yeah, we couldn't leave that out of the conversation. Yeah, it's important. I um, yeah. Well, and then I was going to add one more thing before we shift out of the gear. Okay. Um, <clears throat> out of the guilt conversation is that something that you can invite in to replace guilt is compassion. Like I said, you can send compassion to that part of you. Um, because guilt is very, it's a fear-based emotion. And so you guys on this podcast, you always hear us talk about like, is it coming from fear or is it coming from love? And as long as it's coming from fear, it's going to continue to keep us in a very constricted place. And it's just fueling patterns that amplify the fear. Whenever something has become very clear to me over these this past year, this past year and a half, is that whenever we make a decision from a place of fear, it amplifies fear in our lives. That's how it goes. Yeah. We choose every the fear timeline. Time, We've hopped on the fear timeline. Every time we make a decision from a place of fear, it amplifies fear in our lives. And so allowing ourselves to be guided by guilt, unpopular opinion for our society, but allowing ourselves to be guided by guilt is allowing ourselves to be guided by fear. And it is unpopular because religion really, really confounded guilt as being a symbol of love. But really guilt is rooted in fear because, and it's based on this assumption that human nature is inherently bad, which is kind of like the message that the inner emotional system of people that live with chronic guilt internalize. It's like, I need to be guilted. I'm bad. My existence is bad. I need to make myself small. I need to function off of this in order to keep my relationships. Um, so 
Yeah, guilt is rooted in fear. It amplifies fear. And it's rooted in the belief that we are inherently bad. And we need it in order to keep things functioning. If we're able to invite in a different paradigm, which hopefully we've been introducing you guys to in this podcast, you realize that the deeper you go into this healing work, the deep, the more often you show up to it and the more committed and devoted you are to it, you start realizing that as you bring healing to the different parts of you that live in fear, there's a different essence that starts coming out that is inherent to all of us here on the planet. And that is the deepest, rawest, most unconditioned essence that all of us have the animating force of our bodies, the energizing force of our bodies. And when these parts that are afraid and protective finally come down and receive a little bit of healing, that energy starts naturally flowing out of all of us. And when that energy is present, very naturally people start showing up with compassion, extending compassion, extending connection, extending curiosity instead of judgment. There's an ease in the way that we move through the world. And that's what happens when we've healed. So to me, that begs the question or challenges the assumption that we're inherently bad. Because as soon as people receive healing, actually what seems to come out of them is a lot of love. And so what can be invited in instead of guilt as you're on this healing process is just it's compassion for the other person, but then also realizing that compassion is not complete if it doesn't include you. And that's what a lot of people forgot or missed the mark on when the energy of guilt started taking over their system. Guilt replaced compassion. It's like, no, I just like have to make them comfortable. But if you really look what compassion is, it's not complete if it doesn't include you. It has to include you. And so sometimes in order for compassion to include you, you have to, you have to say no. You have to let somebody sit with their own emotions. It's not about making other people happy all the time if it comes at the sacrifice of your safety and your well-being like there's a balance there between which sometimes saying no to people and leaving them to and kind of like inviting them to grow to grow up or to develop the skills to regulate themselves um is compassionate it is compassionate because if there's any chance that they're ever going to come home to themselves that's going to be it. As long as our bad habits continue to be reinforced by the world and rewarded by the world, our system is going to keep functioning from a place of like, this is what works. So there is, I, I would invite in the awareness that there's always compassion when you include yourself. Like that, that is where compassion lies. And if you can... If you can function from that place, you don't need guilt. You can naturally honor the balance of both needs. And that may be like the other person is not perfectly happy or 
whatever it takes. But just coming back to that, like, where is that line between where I'm honoring my needs and respecting theirs as well? Yeah, all really important points to add as we continue our relationship journeys with ourselves and with everyone around us. It's so important. Yeah. And with that, should I jump into some of my massive major updates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I literally have been on a psychedelic, without psychedelic journey this past week. Really? Holy cow. Okay, so you guys know that I've gone in, I've gone in and out of... um I've given some deep details on my health journey, but I haven't, you know, I don't say every single little detail, but this past week, so some of the common symptoms that I get with whatever it is that I have or I'm dealing with and healing is I get some brain fog, I get exhaustion, things like that, where I have to, you know, have like, 10 cups of green tea and I have to go to the sauna and I have to go on an hour run if I want to just be able to get through work that day because it feels like I'm walking up the mountain of sledge to even form thoughts sometimes. And But then I, I can still do it. I can still get my energy up. I can still be good. I can go through my daily, whatever I need to get done that day and I'll be good. It'll be harder, but I'll, I'll do it. And this past week, literally right after we recorded our last last podcast, I, um, God, I don't even know what how it happened, but I started. I got like really not well. I basically for the past seven days, I've been in my bed, like not being able to move, not being. I only was able to shower one time. (laughs) As crazy as that sounds, sorry, you guys. I, and it had to be a bath because my joints felt so weak that I couldn't even stand up. And I've been just sleeping and sleeping and crazy. I mean, like, I had no idea what was going on. My eyes felt like they had, like, weights on them. I could barely keep them open. Couldn't read anything because it would put me to sleep almost immediately. And, yeah, so, like, that was the gist of what's been happening, just an insane exhaustion. And I, I've never been like, I've dealt with this. I've dealt with this for a minute now for some years. So I, I just, I know the deal. I know that when my energy is low and things are not good, I have all the tools. Like I take my cold showers, I yell, I dance, I, you know, like I meditate, I pull in the energy that I want to feel and I go for it and I'm good. And I weave in and out of that throughout the week. But this last one, I was completely incapable of of doing anything. Anything. And I was... I've never been so frustrated. I'm pretty... I'm very trusting in life. So whenever these things happen, it takes a lot for me to actually get... And whenever anything in life really happens, honestly, it takes a lot for me to get so frustrated that I cry and that I just feel like, oh my God, um, I feel helpless or what's going on. I typically just... I flow with whatever is and I trust. This last one though, on this past Saturday, I remember I couldn't believe that one day... For, 
I felt it on one day and then I was like, surely this will be somewhat gone by tomorrow. And then again, the next day. And then again, the next day. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is crazy. I got COVID tested. Like I did. I'd never experienced it to this degree. And then on Saturday, woke up again and I was so frustrated that I spent the entire day just crying and just filled with anger. I had a vision of me ripping up every last painting in my apartment because I was just like, oh, fucking enough. Like what? I'm tired. And I was saying that I was crying and I was like, I'm so tired of this. Like I, I literally do everything to try to get my energy up, to make sure I'm good, to, you know, respect my body, my vessel. I don't understand, like, why is this happening? What is the point of this? And as I'm talking, it's literally making me want to cry again because it's frustrating. It's really frustrating when you feel like you're working on the physical. Now we're on YouTube, (laughs) so y'all can see this. I, I I really have a lot of resistance towards talking about this stuff because I don't want to be seen like a sick person. And the fact that it's gone on for so long and it got to where it got to this last week was like, I was like, this is not me. Like, that's not my identity. I don't subscribe to that identity. You know? Yeah. And it also makes me like, I don't, you know, I don't know what I have. I don't think it's some kind of chronic illness. I do believe that I can, I'm healing something and it'll, I'll heal it and it'll be good. But I, I mean, just having to text my friends every day when they'd be like, hey, are you good now? How are you? How are you? And I'm like, no, no, no. Sorry, I can't come out on this. Sorry, I can't come out on this. Sorry, I can't. And I'm like, oh my God, I just wish like I could hide in a cave and no one knew what was going on because I have to like, sorry, I'm, I'm sick. Sorry, I'm sick. Or sorry, I'm not well. Sorry, I'm not well. Sorry, I'm not well. You know, all these excuses all the time. And then having to like voice it out loud. It's different when you when I can experience it in a cave by myself for however long I need to and then get out of it. But then when I start bringing other people into my reality, it's like, I feel like I get so angry because I'm like, I feel like I sound like a sick person right now. I think also maybe just the weight of people's emotional reactions sometimes. Does that, I mean, I don't know. That's what comes up for me. I mean, go ahead. Something that I know sometimes when people are going through hard things and I've experienced this, that you almost like don't, even, even when friends and family like mean well, if people are very concerned and worried, then you're kind of like, you feel pressure to maybe reassure them or to hold space for their emotions around it. It's easier to deal with it on my own. And then when I'm better, if it comes up, then talk to people, you know, or talk to my mom. Typically, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know last week was a bit of a hard one, but I'm good. But to to have to talk about it in the midst of it is super draining for me because I'm already, I can barely stay awake, literally. And then to have to use that energy to have to explain what I don't know is going on. I have no idea what the fuck this is. 
I just have to say like, I don't know. I'm just tired. And it's, it, it frustrates me because after going through the depression that I had and feeling like life was just passing me by and then I got out of it and I felt like I completely fell in love with life again and I just I do I, I, I love life I'm in love with life and I feel so blessed that I get to be here and that I get to experience what I have and to adventure and meet all these amazing people and then when like this stuff happens I just feel like my life is being taken from me and I'm forced to just stay home and to sleep and to not to not do much like I have the will inside me to go out but if I go out I risk extending it there was one day where I was like okay I'm gonna get cute and go grocery shopping and I did that and I literally had to sleep the rest of the day when I got back because it took so much out of me. And and I have like so much anger because I'm like, I like I have so much I want to do and I have so much life that I want to go out and live out and like these adventures that I want to have. And I feel so motivated to get to like amplify my work with breath work and the podcast and everything. And I can't do anything. And on one hand, like, I think that it was, again, I do believe that everything has a, a meaning and a purpose. I don't think that this is happening to me for no reason. I do believe that whatever incarnation I signed up for in this lifetime is to heal. Like, I have the gift of healing this so that I could free myself and so that I can free anyone else who may potentially be dealing with something similar to this. And yeah, so I still definitely hold true to that. But I think it's good that it got this bad this past week because I've never cried about it. I just like, it's just part of me and I've dealt with it for many years. So I just do what I need to do and move forward. But this past week, I just was like, oh, I'm done. Like, this is too much. This is too much. Yeah, you're allowed to grieve it too. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, it's important. It's, it also brings a lot of, um, I have, like, this used to get in the way, not to, and it was never this bad in my, my last serious relationship, but I, I always thought that I was just like a tired person. And I couldn't really hang out with a lot of people. There were different reasons for that, but it also did get in the way of that. So I have this uh, uh, in the way of me being able to like live with the highest energy that I know I can. So I, I feel this deep resistance to having this label over me because I'm like, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to be seen as that. Like I see myself as a very, you know, like adventurous, high energy open to life person and not as someone who's on my bed, not being able to do anything. And I don't like, yeah, just a lot of resistance and anger towards even having that be part of my reality. But 
It is. And I spent so much time one of these, one of those days just YouTubing remedies. I literally bought so many supplements. I think I, I got a little too trigger happy. Because I was just looking at like what could this potentially be. So um, you know, taking different blood tests and seeing whatever, what supplements could be working for me. And I I'm losing my train of thought. Hold on. Let me ground myself. Okay. So during that time, I was off of Instagram and off of most things, off of technology. And this is why I feel like it was a psychedelic journey because I was forced those first few days of just, I was being, that I was tired. I was forced to do absolutely nothing. And I also didn't want to be on Instagram. I had no desire. I had no desire to be on my phone. I had no desire to really do anything but just lay there. And at first I had these feelings of tiredness and then it turned into sometimes it was boredom and then it turned into frustration. And then it, like I went through a million and one feelings. And then I realized like, I, I always ask like, what is life asking of me? And then I got to that point when I was just hit my like rock bottom. I'm like, what, what, what are you asking of me right now? What do you want from me? And I got to, the answer was just extreme presence. And I felt like I ended up getting so present throughout that experience that it felt like a psychedelic journey because I had nothing rolling on in the back of my mind. Sometimes when we when we do social media and we're heavy with work and we're heavy going out and having fun, when we are present, we're just re, we're just I don't know how present we actually are when we are by ourselves, you know, because we have all these little things that are running in the back of our mind and we know that we are, there's things for us to do and there's people waiting for us. There, we know that their Instagram is right around the corner for some entertainment from from connection, whatever. But during that time, I was just so so present, so present that more grief was able to come through me and anger was able to come through me. And and, it's, and that's good because anger is not really what, an emotion that I flexed a lot or that I expressed a lot. And according to my Chinese medicine doctor, my kidneys and my liver produce a lot of toxins and that has a lot to do with grief, uh, anger. So unprocessed anger. And during that time, like I was getting so fucking mad. Like I was so mad. And amongst a bunch of other emotions. And then I realized how how social media and how technology, and earlier in this conversation we said technology is so beautiful, and it is, and I still hold true to that. And how it has so many of us asleep. Because the only way that we can truly start healing anything that is holding us back is by being in the present moment with ourselves and feeling and sitting with any dysregulation in our bodies and feeling that and, and regulating ourselves. But with something like social media, I realized like, even though I have this love-hate relationship with Instagram, I still go on it. I still have my, my fingers get itchy to scroll and to go search for people and to stay updated on things. And when we are sitting in a moment where we start to feel dysregulated, if you just broke up with someone, if you something happened at work, if, immediately it's so easy to go on Instagram and to get that hit of serotonin 
for some false regulation, for some distraction, for some escapism, or to get on her phone and go into any kind of technological hole of information. And then we get bored of that, then we go to sleep, and then we live, we go through the next day doing the exact same thing. So at what point are we ever getting so still that we allow our bodies to be dysregulated so that we can feel what's happening, feel what's happening and not try to put it a bandaid over it by going on Instagram or these other platforms to entertain ourselves. And I, I felt like it, it felt very psychedelic for me because I was, I started grieving things during this time that were not even associated with just the anger of having to deal with that. I started grieving past relationships. I started grieving things that I needed to grieve that I, I thought I had, but I like, there was still more to feel. And I was just sitting with all of it and just being so present with all of it. And then I was, what came up for me was the fact that, you know, it's so easy to go on, on social media and see these memes about healing and about, you know, speak your truth. And even the things that we say, you know, these little blips of information that tell you to be authentic and tell you to be loving. And in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, that's, That's amazing. That's right. Thank you for that reminder. But then we scroll and we go to the next thing. We scroll, we go to the next thing. So how many of us are actually integrating the things that we're seeing? I feel like, and what this week showed me was that a lot of us are living life in theory. And a lot of us are healing in theory. The amount of healing that we can do and the amount of presence and the amount of, you know, fulfillment that we can get to is so capped when we have these devices in our hand that allow us to escape in any moment that we feel dysregulated. And there's still so many more downloads that are coming to me that I can't even, I have to write. I'm probably going to write about this because it's the best way that I can express myself and get everything out. But yeah, it made me really sad for the collective right now because I feel like a lot of us are asleep to life and I get kind of scared that a lot of us are going to reach the end of our life and we've only been like halfway present because of things like social media you know I don't think it's natural after you break up with someone to be checking up on them on social media for example like imagine before we had Instagram before Twitter, before Facebook, before the other ones, you break up with someone or you lose a friendship or you whatever, and then you go off and you live your life. We're not supposed to know what people are doing. I think that it is so unnatural. And we may get to the end of our lives not ever having fully actually ever been here. It is in order for us to feel, in order for you to feel the difference between what life is like without technology being thrown at your face, you actually have to put it away. Not just delete the app, like put your phone away for a certain amount of time. And you then that's the only time I think that the things that I'm saying are actually really going to sink in. Because I think we understand it in theory, but until we actually feel what it feels like to not have that distraction and to actually just be here, and to not feel any need to another thing that I was feeling this weekend is I typically like, I can, I, I love getting things done and I'm super motivated. And then I, I started wondering like, how, how much am I actually trying to achieve 
because of what I see people around me achieving. A lot of it inspiration is inspiration, but then a lot of it, at what point does it dip into what I, I'm that I'm, at what point does it dip into me doing things that I think I need to be doing in order to be happy? I think that life is also really enjoyable, not doing a lot and just being here. And a lot of us tie our worth to how much we can do, but until you actually allow yourself to simmer at first in the discomfort of not doing anything, and then you sit in it long enough for it to actually be like, hold on, this is not that bad. This actually feels more natural. That's when you start just getting a very clear picture on what all of this is. Yeah, it's... I was looking at the time because I know we said we wanted to try to keep it sharp to an hour, but I so much came up for me while you were talking that, yeah, I mean, I feel like I just went through a whole journey listening to you talk and everything you just went through and then everything you channeled, like... I just went through the whole course of emotions. Like, <laughs> my cancer moon was coming out hella heavy. I'm, like I have this thing sometimes when other people are crying that I care about. Like I'm crying with them. I'm like, why am I crying? They're going through something. Like I get so cancer moonish sometimes, and then all the ins. I feel like I just went through a whole visionary course with everything <laughs> that you just said. But it's all so real. Every little piece of that is so real that like we really just need to be able to break down sometimes in order to get to the other side. And I think sometimes because of the capitalist culture, like that even that even gets into the healing journey. Yeah. Where it's like It requires, it does require an infinite amount of patience to be human. Damn. <laughs> For real. And the way that we're wired in the society, patience kind of gets put on. Patience is like the last piece of our cultural values. Like I think as you were saying that, you know, what part of all this, what part of how much I do is really what I want and what part of it how much of how much I think I'm supposed to be producing or, or what I'm supposed to, what I think I is going to make me happy. Like how much of that is actually what makes me happy and how much of that is actually what I really want. And I think so much clarity comes in, in those moments where we kind of like, almost like a shoulder shrug energetically of like, well, I don't really have to do that. It doesn't really have to unfold in that timeline. It doesn't, like, does it really have to? Like, we're almost, we're so often in this mindset of, like, it has to, because it just has to. Because it's, that's how it was since being in school. Like, you have to graduate. You have to get to the next grade. You have to turn this assignment in. You have to study, like, you, so many have tos that when you start, you go far enough on the ceiling journey, you start having those moments where you're, like, it actually doesn't have to. It feels like tectonic shifts inside yeah. of you in the direction of your freedom. And it also invites in, I feel like the energy that naturally comes in when that opens up, when that possibility opens up is patience. 
it was like a very subtle, grounded, kind of silent, still energy that says, it's okay. Like, just be here. Yeah. I started feeling that. Like, I'm like, I, after that, some of the resist, after some of the resistance went away and the days just kept carrying on like that, I was like, I'm not really in a hurry for anything. Absolutely nothing. I'm just here. Like I was literally watching the leaves of my plant blow in the wind one day for I don't know how many hours. So I'm like, you know, on one hand, it's annoying that I was forced to to do that. But on the other hand, it's just like, it proves to you that when you get that still, and this is why I think those Vipassana retreats where they take everything from you, any kind of stimuli from you or any kind of other the retreats, I think we should all try to do it at some point. You know, because when you get that still, you just realize like, and you can breathe through any of the rush that you feel first and then it calms down. You realize like I, and you don't turn to Instagram for any kind of entertainment. You don't turn to TV or anything. You just, you're just here. It's just you in life. It's just you experiencing what is in front of you. And you're in no rush to try to accomplish anything or get things done. You're just, you're there. You're actually present. You're not, you're not living in the future. You're not really thinking about the past. You're just literally there. The sun is out. The clouds are there. The bird just flew by. The tree is right there. And it's you there. And that's just what's going on. And I think that that's really, I don't know how many, how many of us get to experience that. And, and that is so important because that's when you, you know, you start questioning things. You start getting insights that you typically wouldn't when you're running on however many miles an hour. There was one day where I was like, okay, let me try to drink some coffee and see if this will help. And after I drank that a few sips, I could feel my body revving up and it was like yelling at me. It was like, why the fuck are you trying to speed up right now? This is not that. Do not do that right now. <laughs> this is not that. <laughs> Like this is you this got, is not this is not the journey we're on right now. No, no. And I immediately was like, "Shit!" Put it away and just like chug water. And I was like, "Okay, here we are." And then I'm like, "Why am I trying to speed up for what?" We're so addicted. To, I'm addicted to feeling revved up. I'm addicted to that really high energy where I'm dancing around and moving, getting things done, and you know going to the park and thrift shopping and seeing my friends and like I love all of that and moving and then when you slow down it can kind of feel like I'm not getting things done it can kind of feel like you're getting left behind it can feel like you're not accomplishing what you should accomplish and if there's hours in the day where you're laying down those hours need to be in accomplishing yeah because those are all the messages that we get. But when you actually sit there and you kind of rebel against all of that and not even, and I wasn't sitting there re- like actively rebelling. I was just like, this is just what my life is right now. This is what. That's it, when yeah. I made enough space for like, I felt like I was on drugs. I got so present at one point that I was like, holy cow, I tapped out of the matrix. Wow. She did the uh, cartoli. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's beautiful. We are definitely conditioned. I don't think we realize how deeply we are conditioned into production. To the point that like, I have chosen a career. My soul knew better than I did. 
because I've have come across, I'm in a career that actually allows me to move at a pace that a lot of people in our society might consider slow. And I'm a very slow moving person just by nature. If I didn't, if I wasn't pressed, I would, I would do things kind of slowly. I don't, I would, I'm okay with doing like two or three things a day. Like that's actually what feels okay in my system most of the time. And I remember I was talking to somebody in my life who's very high achieving and they're like, Paula, I don't know how if you are only working four days a week and you have all this extra time, which for me, it doesn't feel like extra time because I just, I do things at a different pace, but they're like, and you have this, I don't know what I would have like learned three other languages by now. I would have created all this. I would have like written a book. Like, what are you doing? You could be like becoming a stock market expert. And I'm like, I don't, you could be doing so many things. And I'm like, I don't, I want to, but I don't. Like that doesn't necessarily fill me up in the way I think it should. And that I thought for a long time that I needed to believe that it should. And I had a actually really crazy moment of insight around this recent, uh, like last week I, I saw this binder from grad school where we did a values assessment to figure out, to get feedback on what our values were. And I was like, those are looking at it now. I'm like, those are not my values. Like, my God, was I disconnected from myself. It was all like achievement, production, like spirituality was like way down the line, like nature way down the line. All those things that actually really fill me up now that I know nourish my spirit were on such a, they were like way down the list. And I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, that wasn't, those weren't my values those were the values that I thought I needed to have in order to survive the system. And I convinced myself that that's what I wanted because if I didn't believe that that's what I wanted, it would have been too much of a cognitive dissonance. Like the values actually something I would have never even thought that I had the possibility of believing was that now I recognize that one of my values is leisure. <laughs> And it yeah. sounds, and that can sound so like possibly so entitled or so. <sighs> the it's thing is not that, what we've been taught. It's not what we've been taught. So it's like taboo. It's leisure is lazy to our society. Yeah. Yeah. I could like, I'd be happy just, I am happy just seeing a few people. I'd rather have less and have more open space than to have a ton of things and a ton of outer material things, I guess that's really what it comes down to. Um, and be busy all the time. Like that makes my soul so depressed. Yeah. I do believe that there are other ways of building a business and making money and being fulfilled than hustling all the time. I think that hustling all the time and working crazy hours, you're going to get there. You'll totally get there. But I also think that there's a new way. And as we're rebuilding 
the the rules for literally every structure is being torn down of how we used to function. And I'm thankful that I get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of building this new paradigm of how everything functions. And one belief that I'm holding on to is that there is a way to still build a business. There's still there there is still a way to bring in aligned clients and have a thriving business and a thriving life, not bending over backwards and filling up, like just doing things. Because what I was able to go through this week, literally, basically doing nothing, y'all, literally, like I fed myself and I went to bed. That was me. Bed, kitchen, bed, and then on one of those days, bath. (laughs) Wow. And it's like a, uh, uh, it was like a meditation retreat. It kind of was. It was very, very confrontational. It's extremely confrontational. It was like, and it also gave me a lot of um, empathy for elders because I remember like, this is going to make me cry again. Uh, yeah. Leo new moon is pulling everything. Or full moon. moon. Um, my house got like super messy. And. Yeah. Just like it, I was like, I, no one is allowed in here until I have the energy to like make this look right again. And there was a moment where I was like, I and I didn't want anyone in there to help me. I didn't want any of that. And it's not because I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm still processing everything, but like, I didn't like it made me feel weak needing to have someone in there helping me or doing things for me. And it because it made me feel like I was like losing my own autonomy because I still wanted to do it to prove to myself that I couldn't have, that I had the energy. And then it made me think of like my grandpa you know, and, and other elders that I've experienced where they cry when they have other people try to bathe them or try to do things for them because they're like, it's like, because in your heart and in your knowing, you still have the will and you have the, you have like, you remember what it's like to be able to do all of these things. And then when you have it stripped from you, it's like such like a, almost, it almost feels like a, a disrespect to your own autonomy. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's, and I can like, it requires a certain grieving process and surrendering of how things should be and opening up to like what's happening right now. What's the invitation? That's something that's been a phrase that's been coming up for me a lot. Um, and I think it's like Nicole uses that phrase a lot. So that might be why we've been hanging out a little more. But when I like it, it, it has like lodged itself in my head. And when I'm lately, I told you guys, I've been going through my own awakening, whatever is happening these past two months. And when I, I found myself like coming across triggers that would normally send me into a tailspin around that with that anxious, frantic energy of like, oh my God, it needs to go this particular way. And instead, immediately what's coming up is like, what's the invitation here? 
and I feel so different. And so like maybe, and this is just an idea of like what's coming up for me is that maybe when we lose some of that autonomy, the invitation is to be able to receive the love of your community. To be able to receive love, to be able to surrender to the people that are around you. And I think for, for me, I couldn't have anyone in there because they would start asking me like, what's going on? What's the matter? And I'm like, I can't, it's going to make my, my brain will bust because I, I don't even know. Yeah. It just you wasn't know. the time. The yeah. only people that I could speak about it, one of my friends has Lyme disease and she's the only one that I was like, this is what's up. And she's like, oh yeah, that shit sucks. <laughs> Let me know if you need anything. You know, I'm like, thank you. It's like, I don't want any kind of sympathy. I don't want anything because, yeah. and I don't want to sit here and brainstorm what could be going on. And I don't want potential advice. I don't want, you know, from, if you have, if you're dealing with some kind of chronic something, like, then we can chat. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, I just want to ride the, I just want to ride this wave. Yeah. And, and, I, and yeah. for me, what was really coming up, like my invitation, what life was asking of me was to allow I started seeing the us growing up. I think we believe that, you know, we see our grandparents and people around us as they get older and they start to age and then they start to get ailments and, and then they, you know, it's hard. I, I've seen a lot of just like hard growing up happening around me. I haven't seen a lot of smooth transitions. Hopefully mine will be more smooth. I want to manifest that, but but it just made me realize like that could be me too, though. That actually could be me. And whatever does happen in my trajectory of life, at whatever age, what was causing the most resistance to me is that I'm like, I am 28. I'm supposed to be out here like having fun with my friends and getting sexy and dancing and then building my business and working with my clients and doing all of this. And like, I'm, this is literally what I'm doing right now. And then I, I realized that the pain is from resistance to what is. And the pain of, I'm sure, of a lot of elders and people who are getting older and losing their youth, the pain is resistance to what is. This is what is. This is what life is asking of. And believing that life needs to be different than how it actually is right now. And I don't think that means giving up to anything, but it's just a certain level of acceptance that sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is not as beautiful as you want it to be in that moment, but it can be if you're able to just accept whatever process is happening. Yeah. If instead of immediately going to that knee-jerk reaction um, that was so common for me throughout my life. So like I'm in the, I'm listening to my own words here as I go through my own healing process. But instead of going through that knee-jerk reaction of, this isn't the way things should be mm -hmm. being able to switch over to what's the invitation here. Mm -hmm. And also if you need to grieve, then by all means grieve, because if you try to skip the part of you that is sad about the change, it doesn't, the energy gets lodged inside of you. Yeah. So allowing that outpouring of tears or anger, tearing shit up, like whatever you've got to do, like giving, creating sacred space for that to happen as well. And then like if switching, if going to what is the invitation feels too forced, 
that probably means that there's some grieving that has to happen first. Yeah. And then yeah. once that's released, your body will allow you to receive that a little with more ease. Yeah. And back to, to circle back around what I was saying with, I believe that there's a different way to do business. You know, I could have been hustling however many days that was this past week and moved my business in, in, a, in one way, right? But I sat there for seven days, not doing anything, literally nothing, grieving, crying, making meaning out of things, opening myself up to whatever messages wanted to come through. And I felt like I got a gift of a lifetime in a sense. Some quantum healing happened. I feel like I, now I can, I can work with clients and sit deeply, deeply in their grief for them, with them. Whatever I went through this week for sure is helping me in my trajectory as moving forward as a healer. So that, that moves my business in a way. I don't think that the, there's just, there's gotta be, there is, there is different ways of doing, doing the thing and still having your life. There's different ways. I'm determined stubbornly with some serious Aries stubbornness to build a thriving business for myself that is healing everyone around me, including myself. And proving the old system's completely fucking wrong. We're ready to see it. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you. There's a lot of energetic movement that can happen that is just as valid as physical movement. Yeah. And I think I think that the world is going to ask for more and more of that. I think healers are going to start becoming more and more common. Mm-hmm. Because the earth is asking to heal. And that doesn't just come from doing. There's a lot of being that's also being asked of us. And again, going back to the nature metaphor that I brought up before. The natural world does so much this planet does so much magnificent infinite amounts of so much at a pace that we can't even register with our very eyes because it's so slow but it's happening it's being cultivated Mm -hmm. it's moving so I think it's really important for all of us to honor the pace that feels natural for us within whatever capacity we can. And sometimes that requires pausing every time you hear yourself, this is how it needs to be. This is what needs to happen in this timeline right now, this week, this whenever. And when it feels very, if it feels forced, if that feeling of frantic forcefulness is there, realizing that like, there's a resistance. There's a moving against what the energy is asking for and that it doesn't have to. And then we, when it, I feel, when I can feel it energetically in myself, whenever I drop into that, I feel like I'm almost being carried. Yeah. Through the stream of life. And I would invite everyone to 
take some days where you just put your phone away completely. Completely, completely, and just don't go on it. I think I have a prediction that Instagram is going to break or something is going to happen with the way that consciousness is expanding right now. I don't think unless it transforms into something a lot healthier, a lot healthier, the way that the universe, this is what my body is telling me that the way that the universe wants to expand and the way that consciousness is moving right now, certain systems that are keeping us locked in a slumber and fog, they're going to continue to crumble down. And a lot of the social media platforms to me feel like something that is really holding us in a slumber because a lot of us are just watching people talk about, you know, building businesses and healing and doing this and doing that. And we're, and, and just by watching it and motivating, it motivates us. But are like, what are we actually doing? Are we actually being, are we actually living our life? Are we actually, are we doing the things that we like? on there that we double tap on or are we just living in theory? It's a powerful question to return to. Yeah. Putting our phones away is a really important undervalued under talked about practice Mm -hmm. for entire days. I haven't done that in a while. Well, when I got back on last night, I was greeted by Naz and Miguel. So (laughs) (laughs) it was a nice little gift to come back to. Yeah, it's a balance. I think that definitely a balance. I don't think there's one way or another. We're not going to not do this forever, do that forever. There's just like, it takes a lot of willpower on our end to like, all right, I'm ready to wake up to myself and wake up to this and like ask of this universe, what the fuck is going on and what do you want from me in this lifetime? Yeah. Yes. And I think that, yeah, I don't know. I I have no personal predictions for where social media is going to go, but I know that we can, I know that there is, an equally potent movement underway towards consciousness and presence and the natural in connection with the natural world that um, we don't have to totally discard our connection with technology and and, um, social media and all that quite yet. It doesn't feel like it for me. I I get the sense that it's not necessarily the right time, Um, but we can cultivate this other side this other movement simultaneously and naturally that's going to grow organically and it's going to take us in the direction that it needs to. We just have to make sure that we are setting aside time for healing, for going in groups, for being in breathwork sessions, for meeting with a therapist, for having face-to-face with friends, for going through a walk in the woods, for sitting in the sun, for doing these very (laughs) life-centered things. Um, and they're going to, that, that aspect, that energy is going to cultivate and grow organically and take us where we need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty mental fam. Thanks for tuning in with us. We love you guys. We love you guys so much. I'm Thanks also on being. a nice little bone broth regimen now. <laughs> you <laughs> one can of let us things, know how that goes. <laughs> one of the things I was 
told by YouTube. I did go on YouTube. I did YouTube, lots of healing videos on YouTube and I learned how to make bone broth. Apparently it's like the magic cure-all for a lot of things. Yeah. Well, you know, in traditional lineages, it's not, it's very common actually for the healers to go through very significant initiations with their own health. Um, not to say that makes it better. No, that's what is, that is the only thing that makes sense to me that I have yeah. been thinking of, of like, I signed up to be a healer in this lifetime. And, you know, I think we all kind of do in one way, but in whatever way that I signed up for, I've come to heal certain things in myself in order to walk through that. Yeah. It's part of the initiation. Life is wild. What the fuck wild. is going on here? Like, <laughs> Life dead is wild. I just sometimes want to go. It's wild. Out. We love you. We all need to wrap ourselves up in so much love. And we're here. We're doing it. We are here. Stick with it. Stick with it. Stick with us. Stick with us. We'll do it. We're Breathe with us sometime. We're going to, after this, I'm going to hop right into a breathwork session with our group, our full moon group. So obviously you guys can't join this one, but join the next ones. Those are, those are nice. That's the kind of community that I want to keep getting around, getting with. Yeah. You know, more more intimate connections with people who are on the same journey of just. Well, and I'll say this because I know, I know we need to hop off very quickly, but that is that is when we go from healing in theory to healing in practice. I think we need each other for that. Yeah. Like you and I have this podcast where we talk weekly, we touch base. It's a form of therapy. I mean, I've gone through, I'll go on walks and listen to my own messages and be like, oh yes, that's good. I need to remember that. Like I have to integrate my own messages. And so it's such a gift that I have my higher self being channeled through this podcast because then I can go back and hear it when I'm fragmented into fearful parts and I get back in. And so like it's a touching base that we can only do together or when I see my therapist or when I get in close intimate or in close connection with friends that are very much on this path or if you can go to groups, go to gatherings, places where we can hold each other accountable and hold each other through this process. That's how we can balance out in my opinion, the theory to the living is really kind of lean on each other for that. Really support each other through that. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. We love you guys. I know Valentina has to head out to go to the Breathwork community. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for tuning in. We love you so, so, so much. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. Tune in every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. And be kind to yourselves, Pretty Mental Fam. Peace out. Bye.